from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. We're very much a pro-chicken finger show. I'm trying to deliver a serious message. Just listen. You're not going to like him when he's angry. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go on a Monday, Cofield and Company, Steve Cofield, Ari is here in our Finley Toyota Studios. Big day, big day, as I always say. Well, you know, we get the benefit of extended major league sports in this market. Maybe into July, we'll get to the Golden Knights. That looked real shaky for a long time last night as, uh, whoo, miracle win. Lots of storylines coming out of the game. PDB with the bold prediction or uh, bold move. I guess it was a prediction, too, that Robin Leonard would come up big. He did. And now the rest of the team has to pick things up. They did it when they needed to the most. Finally, getting some goals in yesterday's game of what we all thought was going to be maybe a one-sided series because, hey, the Canadians just barely got into the playoffs has turned into a freaking doozy. My God. High drama, and who'd have thunk it? Now we have a goalie decision to deal with. And we'll get into the storyline of several of the nights, including the coach, seeming to be annoyed with the expectations here, with the questions here, which I don't get. It seems strange to me. Uh, all of these players have played elsewhere. If you have expectations, that's a good thing, right? That means you're still making your run for a Stanley Cup. It means that you've set up a standard of excellence outside of winning a title. That's what the Knights have done. And I would also assume that their boss, Bill Foley, is like, yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to criticize. We're going to be annoyed. When things aren't going the way they should go, or at least we the way we expect them to go with the Golden Knights. So we'll get to the Golden Knights here a lot more in five minutes. You get the break today. U.S. bound. And now we go back and forth, back and forth. Maybe back and forth. Did I do so many back and forths? We'll see if this goes to seven. Certainly we're getting six in what is now a 2-2 series. Excellent NBA weekend. I think surprising for a lot of people who woke up today, and even though there's already one game in the conference finals complete, Suns, a win over the Clippers, I think a lot of people woke up today and they're like, wait, who are these teams? Wait, Milwaukee? Phoenix? Okay, the Clippers are there. Atlanta? That's weird. I didn't hear a lot of people predicting the changing of the guard this year. We knew it was coming, but it's here now. We got a ton of cool storylines to get into. Before we look ahead, let's look back. Nets fall short. Tight game. Harden still not Harden. Durant comes up big in many moments, but they can't finish things off. They're out. And now, as I've told you as a lifelong Nets fan, 
Love the super team. They have a decision to make in the offseason. Do they keep these three guys together? Is it going to work? Because here's the deal. They're out. They didn't make the conference finals. They've got the super team. And, you know, while everyone can lean on the excuse of short season or condensed season, you knew injuries were going to happen. Well, here's the thing. With Kyrie Irving, you knew something was going to happen. And, yeah, it's a, it's a bad break that he hurts his ankle badly, but this is what you signed up for was the unpredictability of the big three with the Nets. And the amazing part is the guy who should have been the most bulky because he was coming off a career-threatening injury, well, down the stretch, he was the most reliable, Kevin Durant. So now they have to make a decision. Is it Durant, Harden, and Kyrie? Is it just Durant and Harden? Is it just, well, KD ain't going anywhere. So it's KD and someone or KD and all three. I'll tell you this, if I'm Nets management, I guess if you want to cue the national anthem, it probably won't go with my take here. Not real well. Uh, headline, Team USA Basketball, Nets, Kevin Durant, and James Harden expected to play in the Tokyo Olympics. Wait a second, what? No. 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 If I'm running the Nets, if I own the Nets, I'm like, guys, we got to talk about this. USA. Yeah, no, 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 no. No. Season start up early in the NBA. Trying to win a title, and someone else can play in the Olympics. Someone else can represent their country. Sorry. A take that's not popular, but too bad. We'll build on that. Michael Lee, NBA expert, columnist for the Washington Post, is going to join us in about 20 minutes. So Brooklyn slash New York, out. Philly, another major market, out. Hawks advance. Can we get a little shack here? We have a little shack? We have a little shack? Short shack? Shack? Boy, Shaq was pissed. Ben Simmons wilted in this series. Had a tough time. I brought it on himself. He, he would shoot in the fourth quarter. And you, you saw the horrendous play yesterday where he's got a wide open lab and he's like, Dish, there's so much that goes into this now. We'll hear from Stephen A. a little later on who freaking nailed it on Simmons' future in Philadelphia, but just as a competitor, I guess some would think that Shaq is out of turn being all annoyed yesterday. It was really weird. It is funny how uh, Kenny and especially Barkley pick and choose who they go after, who they choose to freaking rip to shreds. I guess they like Ben Simmons because they were kind of being soft on him, and they're like, well, you know, he explained it, that he's got to get better. Like, now he explains it, that he's got to get better. Now he gets it, that he needs to be more aggressive and shoot more and improve his shot. Now, and Shaq was like, eh, that's enough. I don't want to hear all that. Stop that. Cut it okay. out. Cut the, it out. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks knocking off the Philadelphia 76ers. One in my locker room. I'd have knocked his ass out. To 96. <laughs> okay. You, well, you I, do what? I ain't laughing. What you mean, what? I'll He's in his locker room. There you go. When you're uh, 7'2 and whatever he is now, 375, not to say Shaq is fat, he's just gigantic. 7'1, I gave him an extra inch, right? But 7'1, 325 when he played, you can walk around and say, I would have knocked you out. Is Ben Simmons going to respond and say, let's go, old man, because I don't think I'm messing with Shaq even now, <laughs> even at his advanced age. Uh, the point is there are a lot of people frustrated with Ben Simmons. Uh, he was deemed a superstar. I may do a little bit of I told you so. I don't like to see people fail, but I think on this show, at least one of us called what could happen eventually to Ben Simmons because of the limitations in his game. So looky here. We got a 2-2 series. 
Golden Knights and the Canadians. This was supposed to be <laughs> celebration time. Like, what, 3-1? All right, come back home. Clinch it. You're in. You're out. Series is over. Dunsky, right? Nope. Canadian style has given the Knights big problems. Those first two lines cannot get off. And yesterday was unreal. On the heels of having multiple periods in the previous games where they just dominated. Although, you could see things developing a couple of games ago with the lack of high-danger chances. You know, getting off 5,000 shots, but only... You know, 10% of them are dangerous, ain't good. And then yesterday, the freaking bottom fell out. Zero high-danger chances in three periods of hockey? And that is craziness. And then the best storyline going, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Marc-Andre Fleury. But here's the thing. I don't have a dog in the fight. And I started talking about Fleury last year because he was getting so shredded by many fans. Uh, management you know, seemed to have moved on from him. Except that Bill Foley said we're not moving on, but they seem to move on from him when Leonard took over, and then Leonard got the the five year extension. And my point a year ago was the the gap between these guys is razor thin. It is a beautiful luxury to have at twelve million combined. Not great from a economic and cap standpoint, but you can see their styles completely screw up the opponent. They're different types of goaltenders, but they're both top eight goaltenders in the league, and Leonard just stymied him yesterday. I mean, 18 high-danger chances for Montreal in regulation, and then I think Montreal had uh, some of the same effect as the Knights, you know, kind of getting shocked like the Knights did at the end of Game 3, where all of a sudden you're going overtime. You're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know how we just played three periods and, di- and didn't win this game, and Montreal was sitting in the same position, and the Knights come up big in the extra session and the hero today is Robin Leonard. The hero today again are the defensemen who are coming up and making a difference and making up for the lack of scoring from the forwards. It's all stuff we'll get into. Now what do they do? Now they've got another decision to make here. Do you go right back to Fleury? Uh, We're right back where we were at times a year ago. It's pretty amazing. Golden Knights still alive very much in this series. They've gotten home ice back. Now all they've got to do in three games is win two out of three and they're on to the Stanley Cup final. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I sat for two hours and watched you guys talk on Twitter on me, you know, to get me motivated. And, uh, you know, it was great, you know, just see all what you guys had to say. And it's a great motivation for me. Here comes left wing Caulfield out in front. Letter the save. They went down with a stick protecting the five hole. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Rolling on, big Monday, big Monday. We got Dave Koken coming up in about uh, 25 minutes. A little more breakdown of the Golden Knights. We got a lot more breakdown of the Knights. Adam Hill will be in in the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, Hoops coming up with Michael Lee. But, yeah, the excitement of yesterday's game and the the shakiness. It's such a weird spot because you come out of the game, hey, you're still alive in the series. You're down 3-1. You're like, if you're the Knights, you're like, well, actually, I won't speak for the Knights. If you're a Knights fan, you're thinking, we're cooked. 
2-2 changes everything. And we've seen in the NBA and the NHL playoffs how quickly the narratives up and down, meandering all over the place. Hell, we've got the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Final. It feels like a couple of days ago we were talking about Giannis needing more help. Budenholzer is going to get fired. Now they're the favorite to win the title. And Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee's a glorious situation. Last night, 15 minutes left in the game. You're like, this is unbelievable. The Knights can't generate anything. Leonard's saving their ass. I can't even believe Leonard's playing because it seems like he was left for dead, as you heard Leonard say on the way back there. He's like, I read all the criticism. We'll find out who he reads it from. Is it the media or the fans? I'm still not sure. But the Knights came up big. But let's set up the mood last night as they had to go to the third period and they needed some things to change as uh, towards the end of the second, you know, you get this uh, freaking breakout and this is the one thing Leonard couldn't stop. Banked up the near boards and out to center. Lead pass, short-handed. Here's Paul Byron down the middle. And he scores! He goes crossbar and in. The penalty time had just expired, but it was, in essence, a short-handed breakaway. Paul Byron gets the first goal of the game. And from Nick Suzuki, right? Give the good up yours to Suzuki, right? He's been dangerous. He's been real dangerous. So, you know, things not going well. You're... Third period, and again, first two lines, not getting a lot of high-danger chances, like zero from the entire squad. <laughs> like, to that point in the game, here's McNabb saving the day. Now in the left corner, Carlson looking right, a shot from McNabb, he scores! Carlson to McNabb, he ties it. 9.23 to go in the third period. McNabb's first goal of the postseason, and it comes at a critical juncture. All right, what do you think of down the stretch, Adam Hill? It's 1-1. One, one. What do you think of down the stretch? Because it didn't feel, okay, you're, you've gotten the game even, but it still feels like this freaking game where the ice is tilted and you're just getting mauled and freaking Panda is having to save the day. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what you're looking at. You're looking at, first of all, I thought it was a game that could go hours <laughs> and hours. <laughs> like, the, the Golden Knights couldn't generate anything, and Leonard was stopping everything that, can, that the Canadians did. Uh, so you kind of felt like it was one of those games that could go a long time. Uh, or, you know, you also, and, and this is what I thought early on, and this is what I tweeted last night, like, the Canadians were so clearly the better team for so long in that game and could not take advantage of it. You often live to regret that. The Golden Knights have been there before. Yep. Uh, and, and the Canadians like that's been the series at times. Yeah. Is the team that's playing better just can't freaking break through. Yeah, and when you don't take advantage of those opportunities, you're going. the other team is going to get into the game. Like, that happens. It happens. Uh, it's something, like, I watch a lot in soccer. Where, you know, you see one team just completely dominate and they can't score. And then all of a sudden the other team is finally going to find their legs at some point. And I thought, you know, that maybe what was going to happen last night with eventually the Golden Knights were going to find their game. And at that point, uh, when they did, uh, that was going to be good for them because they were able to withstand everything that the Canadians had for so long that you felt maybe the Golden Knights would find themselves a little bit. What were you thinking going in overtime? I definitely thought it was going to be a long overtime. <laughs> I thought it was going to be maybe two or three overtimes. Goes behind the goal, waggles out and shoots, knocked down in front, Waugh stopped, another try, he scores! Nicholas Waugh in overtime! He waited and lifted it over the fallen Carey Price. Nick Waugh wins it for Vegas at OT. 2-1, to one. the Knights win it, and they tie the series 2-2. Two and two. Finley Toyota, they'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.
he's just not aggressive, don't want to uh, be aggressive on the offensive end when he needed to be aggressive to help the uh, Sixers win. It, he needs a new start, a fresh start. So it's time to trade him. It'll be good for the Sixers as well as good for Ben. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Wow, we're there, huh? Ben Simmons needs to be traded. Well, if any guys knows the situation uh, at that position and that skill set, it's magic, right? Talking about another 6'10 dude who can play point, except that magic could shoot pretty decently as a young guy. Wasn't great, but Ben Simmons, has, he's not good shooting deep. He's not good shooting from 15, and now he seems to be shying away from everything because he doesn't want to get fouled. It's a weird situation in Philly, and like I said 20 minutes ago, we wake up on a Monday, right? And I know the Suns Clippers started yesterday, but for a lot of people, they're looking around the NBA. They're like, wait, where are the familiar faces? Wait, Philly didn't make it. The other New York team is out. The Lakers are out. Like, what the hell is going on? We got a, a new NBA here. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I was listening to the Doug Gottlieb show, and Michael Lee was on. Great spot. I was like, we got to get this guy on. He's from the Washington Post, covered the NBA for a long time, uh, general columnist now. Michael, how are you? It's Steven Adam out here in Vegas. Hey, how you doing? We're good. We're good. Mouthful as I was I was leading into this. Um, what what's your reaction to the avalanche of uh, I'm not going to say hate, dislike, and criticism that Ben Simmons is getting today? Well, I mean it's 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 not the first time it's happened for him. Um, I think it's the first time that maybe the expectations were there to where people thought he should have given a lot more. I mean, he scored one point in the in his first you know playoff. Uh, you know, uh, run with the with the uh, Sixers. He had a one point game against the Celtics, and he got ripped for it. Um, his second year when he was in Brooklyn, he had a really awful game. He got booed at home, and I remember him telling the fans, "Like the fans are booing me, just stay on that side." Like he had a lot of confidence to him, but this year he just seems he seems broken. Um, and I think that that's the part that I think really upset a lot of people because Joel Embiid's playing on um, on a torn meniscus in his knee. And all they need is Ben to give him something, not not everything. He doesn't have to get with our thirty points. No one's asking for him to be, a, uh, you know, to score on that level. But take a shot in the fourth quarter. Right. Don't play scared. Um, when everybody's giving it their all, and this guy's, you know, Joe and B's probably sacrificing his long term health just to try to get through this playoff run, and you can't take a shot. You have a wide open dunk, and you just look away and try to, you know, get an assist. That's when you're playing scared, and that's when something's wrong. And I think that, you know, everybody's piling on him, and I think there's something going on with him this year, you know, because you got to remember, you know, he was on trade block. You know, they were he was discussed in the, you know, for a deal for James Harden, and you don't know how that really affected him in feeling like he doesn't have a future there. And I think that's probably been on his mind for the whole year. And I think he didn't want to play into that and miss more free throws and get more criticism that way. And he was just out there just looking like a shell of himself. And it's a shame, but it's happened every postseason. Um, I mentioned the other ones. 2019, the same thing happened. With, but Jimmy Butler was there to sort of cover for him. There was no Jimmy to provide any cover this time. He was out there in the open, naked, to be exposed for what he hasn't become over the last five years. Well, when you're 24 in the NBA, are you supposed to self-heal or are you supposed to get help from others? How much of the blame goes to Doc Rivers? For not working on, I don't know if they didn't work. I hate saying that. Um, they they didn't get they didn't get to work on him the way they wanted to, or it didn't turn out that way from a mental standpoint. Does Rivers deserve some blame? Yeah, he deserves a little bit, but I think that you know when you're you know in Ben Simmons' position, 
at what point does the responsibility fall on you? This is not, you're not a rookie. You're not a second year player. You got to spin in the league and you've heard the same criticism your entire career. It's not like this is fresh. It's not like he just decided not to shoot. He hasn't been a guy capable of shooting, but he's also been a guy that demanded the ball in his hands to be the point guard. And you've seen the way the modern game is played now. If you're going to have the ball in your hands, you really need to be able to face the rim and shoot at it. You can't just try to just pass the ball because otherwise you're, you're, you're putting your teammates at a disadvantage. Joel Embiid had that huge turnover you know, at the end of the game because he had to catch the ball 20 feet out. And then he tried to do a spin move and do all these things that a seven-footer shouldn't be asked to do. But if Ben Simmons is at the top of the key and the defense respects him, he's going to draw that attention and he can feed the ball to Joel Embiid in the post and he can just get a dunk or a layup. But Joel Embiid has to work doubly hard. Tobias Harris missed a lot of shots because he was aggressive. But why was, why was the defense focusing on him? Because they don't care about Ben Simmons over there. And he's been a liability to that team on the offensive end, as great as he is on defense, you know, and he helped, you know, put Trey Young in a, in a, a bad position. But what else can you do? Can you give us more than five points? You know, like no one's asking him to carry the team and put them on his, on his back. And although it'd be great if he could because he's being paid like a superstar to do it. He's made all-star appearances because of his abilities. But in these moments when you really need it, when guys are gutting it out, when guys are fighting, and you're not stepping up, you can say it's a coach, you can say it's that, you can say it's everything, but really it's got to come down to you because you've had five years to work on your game, to become a better free throw shooter. You shooting 34% for the entire playoffs? 34%? Like, <laughs> like if you hit 50%, this series is probably over. You know, he went four for 14 in, uh, in that one game, they lost by three. He went, if he made half, they go to overtime. He can't make 50% of his free throws. That's on Ben. That can't be on anybody else. Well, how, how weird of a spot is Philadelphia in now? Because as we say all these things, and it sounds like, hey, he, he just can't get the job done for them, and it seems like they're ready to move on. Doc Rivers kind of threw him under the bus. Joel Embiid threw him under the bus yesterday after the game. So yeah. it seems like they're done with him. But at the same time, he is a really good player. But what can you get for him if you try to trade for him if we all know these shortcomings? Well, I think that they're going to explore and see what they can get. And I think there's always going to be a GM that looks at somebody and says, ah, just let them get with me and we can make it work. You know, there's always somebody like that. So when you see a guy who's as talented as he is, who finished runner-up for defensive player of the year, who can average a triple-double when he's motivated and engaged, if he wants to go out there and do that, um, some team is going to take a chance on him. His value is probably as low as it's ever been. But the thing about the NBA is that you got to match contracts, so you're probably going to get a good return for him anyway, just from a talent perspective. So if you're the Sixers and you know you got you can't really squander much more of Joel Embiid's prime because you don't know how long he's going to stay healthy, I think you can move him and try to get something. I think a fresh start would be good for him, but a fresh start won't be enough because you're going to fall into the same hole that you're in right now if you don't dedicate yourself to getting better. And that, I think that's the thing that's frustrated Joel Embiid. He's played with him his whole career. It's like, when are you going to get better? When are we going to stop making the same criticisms of you? Joel Embiid went and got better this year. He, went, he was runner-up for MVP because he, he decided, I'm not going to shoot threes. I'm going to you know, get down on the block. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to come out here and be somebody that my team can rely on every single night. If you make that kind of commitment and then you watch your teammate still not shooting, still not being able to take any kind of shots. That's, that's where the frustration, I think, is starting to play out. And I don't think that Joel cared anymore. You know, I think he's been saying the right things for a long time, and Doc has been saying the right things all season. 
But when you get to a game seven and you lose at home to the Hawks, like, <laughs> you know, and, and they, they're a great story, but you're still the number one seed and you have every right to go out there and, and smack uh, an upstart. And they didn't do it. Um, the most embarrassing part of the think this whole run for the Sixers is that the process has been um, going on for eight years, you know, from when they decided to, you know, trade Drew Holiday and reboot and start all over. The Hawks decided to start all over in 2015. They're already in the conference finals mm-hmm. with a 22-year-old point guard who, you know, just two years younger than Ben Simmons. So they hit, they hit the reset button and got there just like that without completely tanking and embarrassing the league for four years to do it. So what's wrong with you all? Michael Lee from Washington Post is up on Cofield and Company here in Vegas talking about some uh, NBA playoffs. We'll look ahead in a second. Uh, the other team to look back on and kind of figure out what they're going to do in the future are the Nets. Um, feel free to call me. I, I don't know if you want to call me unpatriotic. I, I'm, I'm also a Nets fan, so I, I want to see the Nets win in the future. They've got a decision at hand here. Mm-hmm. Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, do you keep all three? And the other one is on the unpatriotic thing. Um, if I'm Nets management, am I letting – Kevin Durant and James Harden play in the Olympics? If they're healthy, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, because you want to make them happy. You know, that's yes. part of what your responsibility as an organization is to make sure that your stars give you their all, and you want to make sure you uh, reciprocate that by giving them what they want. And so if they want to compete and play in the Olympics, why not? If they feel like they can go out there and do it, I mean, they don't have anything to do right now. You know, so... You have Durant off an Achilles... You have Harden, you know, who uh, just was suffering from a hamstring. It's like, and and the season's gonna, you know, the now we got the condensed start to the beginning of the season. But I, I get your point. Here's the thing: in that case, in that team, it's a player-run team, and you want to make the guys happy. I just get nervous about them playing more basketball over the summer. Yeah, I mean, but you know, also got to remember Durant missed a, a full year too. So I mean, I think he just wants to play. You know, he's thirty-three, about to be thirty-three years old in a couple of months. I think he wants to play as much as he can because he knows that he's not going to always have his opportunity. This might be his last Olympics. You know, 2024, he'll be 37. You know, uh, he might not be able to do it. I think you saw right now that he's probably the best player in the game just off that series. You know, you don't often leave a playoff series and a guy loses and say, man, that guy's the best. But he's the best. I mean, he had 48-49, you know, with not a lot of help. Um, so how many more chances is he going to have to win another gold medal? He has a chance to pass Carmelo Anthony to become the all-time leading scorer in Olympic history. But there's a lot of motivation there for him to go out there and compete. Um, and he can get another gold medal. So I think just in terms of just if you're a competitive guy and you have a chance to make history and you don't know how many more chances you get to play at this level and to be this elite and this great, you got to go for it when the chances are there. And as an organization, you can't step stand in the way of that. Let's look forward. Uh, we had the West start yesterday, so Clippers fall in Game 1. Not a shocker there after an emotional uh, series where they win in Game Seven, can, we we can answer the question here, right? Kawhi Leonard's not coming back, correct? Yeah, I don't think he is. I think they would have provided some level of information that he's going to return um, by now. Um, but I think that the injury is as serious as we probably suspect, and there's no need to just devastate the team by announcing it to everybody. Um, it reminds me of the Kevin Garnett situation when he was with the Celtics uh, back in '09 when they were trying to, you know, go go back to back and they just kept saying kept saying and they never said anything about his knee until like the last game of this other of this playoff series against the Magic. You know, like, oh yeah, Kevin Garnett's done for the year and it's like, oh, okay, we already knew that. So I think that's sort of what's happening with Kawhi. Um 
because you don't hear any stories about him working his way back. You don't hear any stuff about him doing workout, you know, four on four, you know, three on three drills or whatever. So I think that they're going to have to try to win this without him, and I don't think they can. Chris Paul could be back soon. I listen, Michael. We yeah, I'm I'm a little <laughs> bit older. I've uh, covered sports for a while. I don't think I've ever covered anything like COVID. It, it's nuts because we don't have you know any exact details in a lot of these cases. So. Chris Paul tested positive, but he was vaccinated, and now we still don't know when he's coming back. No, we don't, and I think that's the waiting game that you know the, that the Suns are playing. But I don't think they're even concerned with that. Hmm. You know, one thing I think that overlooked, you know, throughout that that first round series against the Lakers hmm. is that Chris Paul wasn't himself. He wasn't a hundred percent, and they were facing the defending champs. And even though you know a lot had to do with Anthony Davis getting hurt, they still had a team that had rings, and they went out and they handled their business without Chris Paul being at, at his best. And so they allowed him to sort of get back healthy against the Nuggets, and then you saw how he was able to close them out. But this team has proven that they're more than just Chris Paul. And Chris Paul gets a lot of the attention because he's the name that most people recognize. I think if there's one thing that this postseason has proven to us is that the names that we're used to discussing, the names we're used to talking about, aren't the ones that are ruling the league right now. The young guys are stepping up. The young guys are coming forward now and taking control of the league as it's rightfully done. You know, this is always this happens. There's always a turnover with the names that we get used to. We always talk about Duncan and Kobe and KG and those guys. Eventually they got old, and we got LeBron and KD and Steph and those guys. So now we're starting to see these young guys step up. Now a lot of it has to do with injuries and other factors, but that's what happens when you age. You know, so now we see the young guys like Booker. We see Trey Young. Um, we see Giannis, who, despite the fact that he's been around for a long time, is still just 26 years old. And so that's what's happening now. The, the the league is shifting over. The young guys are taking over. And Chris Paul really landed in the perfect situation because what we're seeing from Devin Booker, that this is a guy who's built for this moment, who's made for this, and he is relishing in it because he really does have that Kobe Bryant mama mentality. And he's had it from the minute he stepped into the league. And you're starting to see it now take, take hold um, because – Everything that's happened throughout the course of his time in Phoenix, the rough roads that he's been down on, um, you know, from all the losses, all the failed lottery picks, and the fact that they didn't really have a, a point guard on their squad, so he had to sort of develop those point guard skills on his own. Um, and so you just see all the growth is coming together, and he's just laser focused. So even if Chris Paul's not able to play, you know, I still think the Suns just have so much talent and so much confidence. And they got right now the guy who's playing the best basketball of anybody, and that's Devin Booker. Is it too easy to say right now that the it should be the Bucks title to lose? Um, no, because I honestly feel like that that Nets um, Bucks series was always the, the the finals. That was the real finals, and you saw the way it came down to you know the last second of regulation and of overtime. You know the fact that those teams battled. Um, I think that was, those, that was the real finals because those are the, the, the two legit teams left in terms of just you know being able to win the title. And I think that if the Nets were healthy, if Kyrie Irving doesn't sprain his ankle, they win that series in six, and they're the team that we're talking about as being a prohibitive favorite to win a title. Um, but the Bucks beat them. So now that you beat the team that everybody expected to win, then everybody's looking to you to go ahead and handle your business, and they've got no excuses. I mean, the Hawks are a fun story, and they've been great. But you're at home. And you're a team that has been in this position before and, and needs to close, and here's your chance. Well, I'm rooting for the miracle. I've got my lottery ticket. Uh, last week when the Clippers found out that Kawhi Leonard you know, might be done for the season, I, 
I bet the Clippers nine to one to win the title, but uh, might wow might be a long shot. Well, actually, I got a bad number. It was actually fourteen to one in some books, but uh, we'll see if they can do it from here. Hey, they they they're playing great ball, and you know the and uh, they did that that milling off four wins against Utah was no fluke. They they Kyle figured something out, and I think it's going to be a good chess match with him and Monty Williams in this series. Michael, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me on. There he is from the Washington Post. Michael Lee covered the NBA for 17 years. General columnist. Now, um, so much to get into postmortem with the teams that got knocked out before we start looking ahead. I Listen, now that we know the vibe around Philly, when you read the tweet from MB yesterday, goes, Philly, I love you. Sorry to disappoint you again. Just know that I gave everything I had knowing the circumstances. If there's one thing I've learned being here, it's the toughness this city. And he's got toughness and bold. It's the toughness this city has, and that's why I played with a torn meniscus. Thank you for the support all year long. I mean, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't say, hey, you know, the other guy on my team won't take a wide-open dunk. He's dishing it to a guy who's going 1v2. But he had to be thinking that. Because he's, he's an emotional guy. It's a, it's a bad situation. But, again, if you're, if you're good management in Philly – and we'll hear from Stephen A. later, who's like, it's done, it's done in Philly, I know Philly, it's done. You, you can't listen to that. You, got, you have to let everyone take a bunch of deep breaths, let this get clear for a while, because I think as you were suggesting to Michael Lee, like he, he's Ben Simmons isn't rock bottom, because he's never going to be rock bottom with his skill set, Yeah, but his trade value is low right now. From a perception standpoint, you can't deal him anytime soon. What do you do with a guy that can literally do everything on the basketball court except score? And he can score at times. He just well, has a mental block. I, w- I would tell him then he's got to work on his shooting, and that's not going to be repaired in one offseason. And the other thing is, what have I said almost the entire time about Ben Simmons? I never understood why the Sixers kept going big, 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 big with their with their lineup and building the team. Now, finally, they started bringing in some more talented small guys. He's not a point guard. You can't be a point guard if you can't shoot. He he's a power forward who should be operating, you know, within like a 15 foot circle. Every once in a while, he can run the offense and bring the ball up, but he can't be the guy. He's got to be close to the basket. The funny thing is, they could more often than not, they could run high low and have the 400 pound guy be the high, right? As long as Ben Simmons works on his free throws and when he gets hammered down low, he can go to the line. And make them and also feel confident going up. Because right now, he doesn't even feel confident taking a freaking layup. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now, back to Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Crazy weekend of sports. We were uh, just talking NBA and you know Ben Simmons and his uncertain future in Philly. We'll get back to that. The fact that the Knights are in a 2-2 tie when it doesn't feel like they should be in a 2-2 tie, yet it does feel like they should be in a (laughs) 2-2 tie. Because when you break down the series, more often than not, the team that is dominated uh, isn't always winning. Now, the Knights in Game 1, they got the job done, but it's been such an abnormal series. And then yesterday, Dave Koken, what's up, buddy? Hey, uh, good day here. Got a new car today. Oh, nice. Nice. All right. It's, uh, It's a very good time. To buy to get a new car uh, because inventories are really low because they can't get the cars anywhere, and uh, with inventories low, it is a buyer's market right now. So I took advantage of it and upgraded. Uh, not, you 
or upgraded to a new car. I was going to say, you upgraded. You already you always have a nice car. So. Well, I actually downgraded as far as that goes because I don't drive as much as I used to, and uh, I was way under the miles on this lease, so I, I didn't get quite as much car as, I've, uh, as I'm used to getting, but I like what I got, and I'm very happy. Convertible this time or not? No, no, no more convertibles. Not with the eye. Um, the wind really bothers me, so the uh, the windows stay up and the top stays up. All right. Well, next next week you give us a ride. We want to we want to go out and get get a ride in the new car. Especially Adam, does it have you got room in the back seat? <laughs> yeah, but I don't allow anybody in my back seat. So uh, you're it, it, you're uh, you're traditionally a Dodge Colt guy, Dave. Is that, that what you stayed with? He's not yeah, right. a Dodge Colt guy. <laughs> I've never known Dave to have uh, anything that was a jalopy <laughs> over the years. Dave, what no. is Dave? What is the worst car you've ever driven in your life? It must have been as a really young guy. The first one. Yeah. It was a uh, seriously beat up Malibu. Nice. Um, no, it wasn't. But uh, it 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 was it was awful. But I got it for five hundred bucks, and uh, it served its purpose for a couple of years. Nice. The good old days. The good old days. All right, Dave. Well, you know what? The uh, the unheard of happened, but the other circumstances, it can be explained. What do you think about the switch yesterday to Robin Leonard from Flurry? I, I expected it. Um, Flurry hasn't played well uh, of late. His go- his expected goals metric actually is not good. Um, he's made a couple of glaring mistakes, and you know he looks like he might be wearing out a bit. And so it's like okay, and we and I thought. The board need to shake. He needed to shake things up a little bit, especially. I mean, look. Let's face it. That was an absolutely, almost inexcusably bad goal uh, that that cost the Golden Knights a win in Game Three. Um, so it was time to make a change, and Leonard really came through. And he, I'm ninety nine percent sure he'll be starting tomorrow. And I would suspect he's going to be playing goal until there's some indication that he cools off because uh, he was red hot last night. I mean, you you read my mind. I was actually going to ask you what would you do uh, in Game Five, but you know, I posed this question on Twitter, and it was funny. Everyone was like, "Obviously, I would go." You know, obviously I would go Leonard, or obviously I would go Flurry. Like there was no in between. Everybody was so like convinced one way or the other. You think it's clear that they go Leonard? Because if yeah. you come out and say it's for a rest, uh, you you leave yourself open to oh, putting it, Flurry back in. Well, it was. You can say it was for rest, but it was more than that. It was for not very good goaltending. He has, he really has, he said, he's given up some really bad goals. Uh, going back to that whiff that he had in the Colorado game, was it game five, I believe, uh, which they, they overcame that, but that could have been really costly. The goal with one second to go in the first period was a horrible goal. And then he, he cost him the game in game three. I mean, you got to call it straight. Yeah. He cost him the game. Uh, and it was time to make a change. And look, it, if a goaltender's not getting it done, you go to the other guy and you stay with him. Unless he shows he's not getting it done, and then you go back. That's what has always taken. Look, it's not the first time at Flurry. It happened years ago in Pittsburgh when he was the starting goaltender, but he was struggling, and they put Matt Murray in, and Murray went the rest of the way, and they won the cup. So Knights get back in control as far as home ice. They've got uh, momentum back in their favor. You would think that they're uh, in a pretty comfortable position here to go ahead and win the series, but I know the Canadian side was trying to come out today and put the pressure back on and say, hey, listen, the longer this goes, the more pressure is on the supposedly better team here. Uh, they're right. Uh, the tough part for Montreal is they played an almost perfect game last night and ended up with a loss. Yeah. I mean, high danger five-on-five five chances were it was either 17 nothing or 18 nothing in regulation, yeah. which is unbelievable. 
that a team would lose a game like that. It tells you how well Leonard played. That breakaway save in the third period was the, that was the game because if they score there, it's two nothing and and that's it. The game is over. Uh, so the Canadians have to bounce back from what I think is a demoralizing loss. When you lose a game that you thought you had won, that's a tough loss. But the flip side of it is they're still the big dog, and so that lessens the pressure on them. Uh, I expect them to play well tomorrow night, although I do think the Golden Knights have to feel good about their chances of winning now. be nice to get Stevenson back on the ice, though. I don't know what his situation is. And, Dave, you're not a series better, right? They're plus 290 in the series. Would you just bet game by game if you bet uh, if you think the Canadians are going to win the series? I'm not. I'm not really. Yeah, I would go game by game. They're going to be the dog in every game anyway. Yep. So why take plus 290 when you can just roll your – if they win game five, um, you're still probably going to have plus money in the series, and you just roll it over. Yep, plus 210 for game five. So I was looking at it already. All right, let's get in some baseball points here. Uh, first of all, the, the team that everyone loves to hate, the Astros, their pitching's coming together. Their young pitching is brilliant. Uh, Valdez, Framber Valdez is back. He's been freaking awesome. And even with Kyle Tucker hurt, they just continue to rake the ball, and they just bent the uh, White Sox over their knee and spanked the hell out of them. They did. Uh, and I think the White Sox injuries, they've had a bunch of injuries. Uh, I think it's maybe starting to catch up with them. They, you know, they didn't miss a beat for the first two months. But I guess now you're, you're missing two really key guys. And the longer it goes, I think the more impact it's going to have. Uh, the good news for them is the, the division they're in stinks. So they can afford a slump. Well, it does. Yeah. I mean, who's going to beat them? The Twins yeah. aren't. Uh, the Indians aren't. Uh, the Royals aren't. The Tigers aren't. So White Sox basically have to show up, just play the games for the rest of the season. They're going to win the division. Uh, but, boy, the Astros right now, they're killing it. And if their pitching holds up, they're going to be a real handful. Dave Koken's with us. We talk a little baseball. We talk a little hockey on Mondays. Boy, I tell you, uh, one of the crazy stories from the weekend, and we'll get to Seattle in a second, but the Rays get destroyed. Uh, but here's the thing with the Rays. they they got to fix their pitching staff, and they're going to have to find a way to get around the uh, devastating injury to their top guy, Tyler Glass, now. But they've, they've always got a wave of new guys coming. Uh, tell us, like, how good is this uh, Wander Franco kid? Well, he's the best prospect in baseball, uh, at least according to the scouts. So we'll see how he performs. He's, but he's he's got all the tools, and he's going to have some pressure on him because the team's not playing well right now, and they need him to uh, come through. Uh, but the, I think the Glasnow injury is enormous yeah. for this team. Uh, as many interchangeable pieces as they have, you can't interchange anybody for Glasnow, who's a dominant number one starter. And it's going to be a real challenge for them to overcome that. I think the Red Sox might be ahead of them right now. Boston's got a real balanced team, and I I think the Red Sox could be could ultimately be the team to beat in that division. I don't know that Toronto's got the pitching. The Yankees just aren't all that good, and well, the Orioles don't even count. Right. <laughs> well, we thought you know the funny thing is we thought Seattle wouldn't even count. We were mocking on Seattle like three yeah. weeks ago for a team average under two hundred. It's one of the craziest stories in all of baseball. The the Giants are a crazy story. But Seattle being over 500 and just whooping up on the Rays, I don't know how they're doing it. They're getting pitching in the bullpens coming through. Yeah. Despite the fact they actually demoted two guys who were in the bullpen and pushed two others uh, into more high-leverage spots. Um, I, I love it when, when teams do that, when they, they say, you know what, this isn't working out. We're going to try something different. Too many teams stand pat all the time and, and are unwilling to make changes. It's kind of like that NFL philosophy of, well, it's the first-string quarterback, and even though he's absolutely – awful today we're going to leave him in the game anyway which i've never understood um and 
the Mariners are, are, are not following that script right now. They're making changes. They're, they're doing some good things, and some of their young players are really starting to produce. What do you think of the Angels and, you know, the Angels having a chance oh. in the second half? Uh, Trout's back probably in two or three weeks. Otani's got, what, 23 homers and 54 ribs, and somehow the Angels are 500. Start looking for a pitcher now. Yeah. Uh, don't wait until the deadline because it's clear this team has a chance to be in it. They are tremendously exciting with Otani. Uh, the starting pitching isn't great. They could use one more, and the bullpen needs uh, uh, some reinforcement as well. But they've got a chance. And to me, don't you don't wait around until July 31st to decide whether you're in it. Make your moves now. And uh, if they can go out and, and get a good arm, they'll probably have to pay less now than they will later because it becomes a seller's market at the deadline. Wagertalk.com is where you can find all of Dave's picks and his videos. Uh, Dave, let's close on this one. If you're running a squad, like Otani's in the home run derby, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is not. If you're running a, an organization, do you tell – a guy who's in a groove like this, who's doing real well, you know what? You're not going in the home run derby. No, I leave it up to the player. Okay. If the player wants to participate, then let him. Because if you don't allow him to, he's going to feel like you're you're cutting into his ability to brand himself. Let's face it. You know, you win the home run derby. That's that's a lot of money and a lot of pub. Uh, no, you got you got to let the player decide. Evidently, Guerrero, I guess, doesn't want to do it. He's already been in it twice. He's already won it once. So he's done enough. Uh, I wish he was in it because I'd love to see him versus Otani, but it's his choice. Dave, you got any thoughts as uh, we get this uh, Padres-Dodgers thing's rolling, a thing rolling as we've got uh, Darvish on the mound against uh, Urias? I have not checked the lineup yet to see if Tatis is back available tonight. It's the same shoulder, and they have to be very careful with that. Um, uh, I think at the price, I probably lean Dodgers – but I, I did not bet the game. I, the only game I bet tonight, uh, Kyle Gibson, first five innings, he's been great for the Rangers, who are terrible. But he's been great at home. They've won all six of his starts. So I took them for a first five uh, medium wager, nothing real strong. You didn't jump on DeGrom first five? No, nah, not at the price. And, and I, I just didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Rather, obviously, he <laughs> seems to be fine. Yeah, he's, throwing, he's throwing out multiple 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, and his well, RPMs are like a little bit down from previous starts, but yeah. not much. And here's the ridiculous, and I, I tweeted, it's not fair. Uh, he throws a fastball to Albies on the first pitch, and Albies was sitting fastball, and he was ahead of it and fouled it off. Okay, he throws him two back foot sliders after that. The guy had no chance. Go sit down. He, it's not even fair what, what he's doing right now. Amazing. All right, Dave, we appreciate it. Thank you. See you guys. There he is, Dave Koken. We uh, hook up on Friday nights for DC and the Sunshine Man. Uh, extended look at the week and weekend in sports. That's uh, up on our podcast, our Cofield and Company late night podcast. We do that live at 1030 on Friday nights. You can watch at Steve Cofield. You can watch on ESPN Las Vegas Facebook, also on YouTube. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.